Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. My sincere thanks to listeners and those who have liked, subscribed, and commented. Your interest is noticed and deeply appreciated. This podcast is in response to the listener's question, what makes Aikido a viable martial art in today's combat landscape? Thank you for the great question, Maru. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. If not, my apologies. Complex questions usually don't have brief answers, and this is definitely a complex question. It should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway, that what I offer is only my opinion and perspective. Aikido was at one time, when the founder was alive, an art which experienced martial artists sought out to complete their training because it transcended what they had learned already. Osensei's ability was so remarkable that often challengers would ask immediately if they could become his students. It seemed nowadays that Aikido is a beginner art which students need to part from in order to gain martial competence. I've seen and met advanced Aikidoka who have quit in disgust because they studied Aikido diligently for years only to find their skills completely useless when faced with an active opponent with even mediocre skills. In one case, I met someone who was a Nidan or a second-degree black belt who gave up when a bodybuilder picked him up over his head and he had no idea how to stop it. It wasn't even that this bodybuilder was a martial artist, merely really strong. If the student expected to learn to defend themselves and didn't, that's the failure and the responsibility of the instructors. I believe that most martial art instructors are guilty of implying that their students will learn practical self-defense skills and then fail to deliver. I consider this a type of fraud and students are completely justified for being upset about it. That's not to say that learning any martial art will make you invincible, but it should improve your chances and not leave you completely helpless. While I have no idea how many people have quit Aikido, I believe many have due to the lack of practicality, which is commonplace in the Aikido community. The justification that, quote, Aikido is not about fighting, unquote, does not satisfy the student who comes to learn a martial art to learn to defend himself. At the end of the day, martial arts are designed to have you survive a fight, usually by prevailing over an attacker. The only example I can think of which doesn't quite fit this description is parkour or free running, which I've heard described as a martial art of running away. The goal is to be so good at it that an attacker cannot keep up with you or follow you over and around obstacles. Running away isn't much of a martial art in my opinion, although the skills and athletics are a marvel and worthy of respect. Parkour and free running has some amazing athletes. Parkour is an example of something that really didn't even come into being until the late 1980s. Quite a few arts came into being in the last half of the 20th century. Aikido preceded them only by a few decades, really. It is a rabbit hole to go down, identifying different martial arts and what their specialties and martial applicability is. It kind of reminds me of coffee. When I was a kid, coffee was pretty straightforward and there weren't many options. You could have coffee black with cream or sugar, and there was fresh brewed or instant coffee. When you went to buy coffee in the grocery store, you had the pick of a dozen or so brands which had slightly different flavors. Nowadays, the choices of coffee are dizzying, and a grocery store coffee aisle has hundreds of different brands and flavors. Going to a coffee shop and you're faced with so many varieties and variations, it is mind-boggling. Martial arts in our modern era have a wide variety of choices and options too, each of which tries to fill a specialized niche and adapts their art to do so. That niche might be exercise or teaching kids or being weapon-focused. Enthusiasts of each art find certain aspects of training appealing, most of which have little or nothing to do with surviving a fight. Taibo is a, a good example of a martial-flavored exercise program. It's a great workout, and it feels like you're learning to fight because you're using martial movements, 
but it openly admits that it's not a martial art. Taibo's popularity was that it was different, and people liked it because it had a martial flavor to it. Most weapons training has no sparring component, so does not provide the full spectrum of training to prepare someone to survive an armed fight. Sports like fencing and kendo have live sparring, but the idea of prevailing in a fight using those skills is highly unlikely. Quite a few weapon arts are really nothing more than weapon flourishing arts. It's fun to swing a weapon around, but another thing entirely to actually hit something with it. Having your target moving around and trying to hit you back brings a whole new level of challenge. I'm not criticizing any of these activities. They're obviously fun to practice and fulfilling for the enthusiasts who enjoy them. If they love what they are doing and get pleasure from practicing them, fantastic. The issue I see is when the art has evolved into a non-martial practice, but still has its practitioners believing it is a martial art. Imagining your abilities being useful and having them be useful in reality are two very different things. Japanese martial arts are labeled as a jitsu, which means an art, and a do, which means a way. What exactly is the practical difference? A good example might be Kudo, the way of Japanese archery. I was lucky enough to have a personal experience with Kudo, which I found illuminating. Years ago, I was fascinated to try Japanese archery, and when I looked around, there were only about five dojos in the United States who taught it. One happened to be less than an hour from my house, so I felt fortunate to have the opportunity to try, and I jumped into it. I had heard stories of some amazing feats of samurai archers and was eager to get a chance to try using the Yumi, the Japanese offset bow. Offset means that the bow is longer above the grip than it is below. Some say that the design is intentional to give a long bow and string, but still allow foot soldiers to wield it without the bow hitting the ground. In fact, the design came from the fact that the Yumi were originally made from a type of wood similar to bamboo or rattan, which was thicker at the bottom than at the top. This meant that the grip had to be closer to the bottom to achieve a somewhat even draw. I could go deeper into bow design and archery, but that really isn't relevant to the point here. What is relevant is the study of how to use the Yumi, which is the very heart of Kudo. Kind of. Let me take a moment to explain that. Kudo is extremely ritualized, down to how you take the bow out of its protective carrying sleeve, roll the sleeve up, to how you bow and take precise steps from the waiting line up to the firing line. Details such as how exactly you hold the arrows, to your breathing, your stance, where your eyes are focused, and countless others are of the utmost priority. Some of these are important aspects to learning to be a superb archer. So what was missing? What struck me is that the practice included no target. We fired blunt arrows at a large piece of blank canvas hanging to safely stop the flight of the arrows without damaging them. The entire focus of the archery was entirely on the form of the archer and no attention was paid to aiming or even having feedback about where the arrow landed. This is where I had difficulty holding my interest in Kudo because archery to me was about hitting the intended target accurately. Of course, breathing and form will help you do that consistently and it takes a long time to integrate all those factors to be an excellent archer. Let me say too that the instructors were fantastic and extremely personable. The group had a great feel and a positive atmosphere. If you were interested in learning Kudo, I would heartily recommend this group to do so. As I looked into Kudo more, I found that Kudo was largely a meditation and that it was fundamentally different from target archery. A Kudo practitioner and a competitive target archer have very different priorities with what they are trying to achieve. Even a target archer has a different skill set than a hunter archer. The target archer might be a master of taking on 30 to 90 meter distance targets, 
but they're always firing from the same position, targets are always on level ground, and their targets do not move. A hunter archer must deal with varied ranges and must approach his target with stealth or remain still and silent while his target approaches. He must deal with firing up inclines and down declines, deal with obstacles and obscured vision, fire from awkward positions, and most of all, deal with a target which moves around. Maybe the term jutsu describes the practice of these tangible skills. Sure enough, after some research, I found the term kujitsu, which appeared to describe the type of practical archery which appealed a bit more to me. I looked and there did not appear to be any dojos or places to learn kujitsu in the United States. It appeared there really wasn't much for kujitsu anywhere. But there are videos of modern Japanese archery demonstrations, primarily from horseback, so there's obviously some kind of kujitsu practice going on somewhere. While firing a bow from a galloping horse is an incredibly impressive feat, it's really not a practical skill most people would ever really use. I just wonder if there are any groups focusing on practical Japanese archery out there. Another example of a doe, and I won't describe this in great detail, is the Japanese tea ceremony. It's almost entirely ritual, which can take up to four and a half hours. Clearly, there's more focus on the etiquette, ritual, and courtesies than on making perfect tea. Maybe the tea made during the ceremony is of the highest quality, but is four and a half hours really necessary to make good tea? It's pretty obvious the answer is no. Not sure when exactly the description of a doe and a jitsu were first explained to me, but the summation basically was that a jitsu was merely the mechanical aspects of a subject, while a doe was a more comprehensive study and practice of that subject. A doe consisted of aspects that the subject jitsu did not include, essentially. It seems that this also applies to the term budo, which is martial way, and bujitsu, which is martial arts. But it's hard to tell because there doesn't seem to be any firm de definitions that people really agree on. From what I've noticed, arguing over Japanese terms is popular enough that it should be an art all by itself. After a great deal of time observing how modern do actually operate, it appears to me that do arts are anything but comprehensive. For the most part, they take a few aspects of the subject and omit other aspects. The aspects which are included are steeped in ritualized practice and in doing so far removed from the original practical subject. The result is they are a pale shadow of what they once were. I think a good case could be made that Aikido has gone this way, just like Kudo has. Even Daito Ru Aiki Jiu Jitsu, which is a Jitsu, not a Do, is practiced in a highly ritualized and formal manner which doesn't look at all similar to actual combat. The progression towards isolation from other arts toward meticulously choreographed practice explains how modern Aikido, or at least the vast majority of it, is pretty useless in a physical confrontation. It also explains why practitioners quit in disappointment when they realize it is not relevant to self-defense. Students often transfer to more practical arts which have less focus on ritual, spirituality, philosophy, and formality, and more focus on practicality. And this makes perfect sense, at least to me. The practical side of Aikido is somewhere between uncommon and rare in the martial arts world. I've come across a number of seasoned martial artists from a variety of disciplines who have a great respect for Aikido because they came across a practitioner or teacher who was the real deal and showed them what Aikido was truly capable of. Most people have never crossed paths with an Aikido practitioner like that. It's disappointing to see how few Aikido practitioners who can provide that experience. Osensei and his students had an extraordinary level of practical ability. 
Now, it's been suggested within discussions that perhaps those seeking practical Aikido should change the name of what they do to Aiki Jiu-Jitsu or something similar and let the spiritual, meditative, and ritual-interested practitioners have the name Aikido. I currently think that changing the name doesn't solve the issue. Being called a Jitsu instead of a Do didn't help Daito-ru retain martial practicality or keep it from evolving into a ritualized practice. A rose by any other name is still a rose. So where do those of us who desire our Aikido to be useful for self-defense lie in all this? And that question brings us right back to the original question, what makes Aikido viable in today's combat landscape? Obviously, ritual, spirituality, meditation, and etiquette will not serve you when somebody attacks you. Training which has been sterilized of reality will also not build capable students. One can try to justify these poor habits by saying their ritual practice includes principles, but that's a weak response. The self-defense application is so different that the practitioner will have a difficult time connecting the dots when the situation goes south and they only have an instant to act correctly. In order to address the question adequately, we cannot use modern Aikido as our comparison to inject into dealing with real violence because it has drifted so far away from practicality. Instead, let's use the version of Aikido when it was a potent and effective art which was proven against top-level martial artists. For the most part, you have to go back to the 60s to see examples of this. There are some Aikido practitioners today who are extremely capable from a self-defense standpoint, but they are in the extreme minority. Most of what you see of Aikido is a ritualized practice which can be impressive looking, but is not realistic. If we assess Aikido by its functional elements, I believe there's much to like about it. And a few of those are, one, it approaches conflict from a standing position. This is where most violence will likely occur, and it gives you the best chance to deal with a dynamic, hostile environment, which very likely may involve other threats. Two, it seeks to control the attacker's body. This has a far better chance of ending a physical conflict quicker than exchanging blows. Three, it incorporates throws. Throwing somebody to the ground is a time-proven tactic going back millennia. The earth hits harder than anything else, and it has a very good chance of stopping somebody from attacking further. Four, it incorporates taking initiative away from the attacker immediately. This is crucial in a real attack or violence. Sadly, this principle is not taught or practiced in Aikido very much, as evidenced by how often Aikido practitioners state that Aikido is entirely defensive. You see in their technique that it is almost always responsive to an attack. Five, it has a variable element due to the kazushi, or balance-taking aspect. You don't need to throw with full power to control an opponent. This isn't unique to Aikido, though. Wrestling and most grappling arts do the same thing, too. Six, Aikido is not focused on athletics. Many martial arts require well above average speed or strength to function well. Aikido and Judo do not. They control the attacker's body through more subtle manipulation than brute strength. Granted, with Judo, you might not see that watching competitive Judo, such as Olympic competition. But take a look at Kyuza Mifune. He is subtlety and elegance personified. I'll leave a link in the description area below to a video of Kyuza Mifune. He is a marvel to watch. I will love it when my Aikido is as smooth, subtle, and powerful as his Judo is. The things to not like about Aikido mostly derive from poor practices which modern Aikido is guilty of. 1. The overuse of unrealistic attacks, and this includes a lack of intent on Uke's part. 2. Lack of breadth, such as no groundwork or practice against kicks, quite a few others. 3. Inclusion of techniques which are entirely useless, such as sword disarms and almost all techniques against a knife. 
These waste precious training time and even worse, build a false sense of competence. Four, lack of practice against modern and likely attacks. Five, lack of creative practice such as Giawaza. Giawaza means free practice and can take on many forms and can be done to work on particular skills. It's not the same thing as sparring, but has some elements of the difficulties of sparring. Six, lack of randori. In my experience, most Aikidoka I've met are terrified of randori, mostly because they have not been taught a solid method for how to do it properly. You can't get good at what you don't practice. From what I've heard, very few dojos ever teach or practice randori. Randori is Aikido's best attempt to get close to what surviving a high-intensity attack would be like. Not practicing randori will provide very predictable results when students are faced with a situation like that. That is, they will fail. A good teacher should be able to guide their students through learning it without making them terrified of it. Randori is something I've focused on for over a decade. The reason was that I wanted my Aikido to be solid enough to perform under the most stress. Even before I was a Shodan, my instructor invited me to teach a regular class, so I set to work developing a graduated system of how to take beginning students from the ground up on how to learn it. My goal was to make it not only pr productive, but fun to learn. It's very fun to learn new things and see yourself improve and handle stressful situations by following a method. Until more Aikido practitioners take a hard, honest look in the mirror and see what their art is and acknowledge the shortcomings the art has, Aikido will be stuck not being relevant at all in today's combat and self-defense environment. You have to be able to see the problem before you can go about fixing it. We must also recognize that we cannot go backwards and gain much insight into Osensei's competence or even his students, as almost all of them are dead. The ones who are alive are retiring and not teaching as much anymore. There's one more factor too, and before I share it, I want to make clear that I have the utmost respect for senior instructors and their accomplishments. They have built large and solid organizations which stood the test of time and kept Aikido alive through practice. However, it is a fact that under their leadership, Aikido has slid in relevance and potency. One Shihan, who is arguably the most influential in United States Aikido, said in an interview that he has a bleak outlook on the state of modern Aikido and has no ideas for how to fix it. It is for this reason that we cannot look backwards or upwards to find answers for how to take Aikido forward. Innovation is needed and Aikido needs to grow again. Any living thing, and an art is a living thing, is either growing or dying. Hanging on to the past is a slow death. Growth is moving forward in a positive direction. How can Aikido move forward? I believe the answer is to step outside of the bubble Aikido has created for itself, both physically and philosophically. It means cross-training and bringing in outside influences to learn and grow from. We cannot worry about having the art changed. It needs to change, for the better. We need to get our hands into the sweat and dirt. And this is how arts are honed, not by meditation and calm, but in the fire. I believe self-imposed isolation also violates a core principle of Aikido, that being connection. You can only affect what you are connected to. And the reverse is true. You can only benefit from something you are connected to. Yet Aikido has disconnected itself from virtually all other arts. Many Aikido practitioners express great arrogance and superiority over other arts, and that's a reflection of poor character. It's a behavior that needs to stop, and it is hurting the art in many ways. In the last couple of years, it seems more people are interested in reawakening Aikido and taking back the ground that it lost. The term modernizing Aikido has been used to describe the desire 
to make Aikido relevant again among the martial arts world instead of being the laughing stock that it is. This is my desire as well and why I started the Facebook group Aikido the Martial Side. It's a place for practitioners of like mind to gather and share information, discuss their experiments, and learn from one another. From this, some very interesting things have come forward. It appears that the interest is increasing as well. We have almost 7,000 members at the time I'm recording this podcast, and the group is growing all the time. A few instructors, including Lenny Sly, Francisco de los Cobos, and myself, are in the midst of forming an alliance of instructors who can help people in clubs grow their Aikido into a more practical art. We're getting close to making an announcement for how to get involved, and it will be something any practitioner or club can be involved with without needing to leave their organization. It is focused towards practitioners and groups who want to try new things and expand their horizons. It's a training and concept sharing project to give practitioners new ideas to train and make their training more productive and fun. I'll leave with this one last thought. Aikido is in our hands, each of us individually. Never think that you alone don't make any difference because you do. It's easy to lose sight of your significance when you feel you're merely one face in a crowd. Your passion and desire should drive you. If you want Aikido to be an effective martial art, make it happen for yourself. There are others out there who can help you. You can start by expressing your interest to your instructor. Let him or her know what you desire. Maybe he or she will accommodate your interests. If not, you can make a decision to find what you're looking for elsewhere. We are out there. Come find us and we'll help you find what you seek. I'm seeking the same thing and continue to make progress. It's a constant path, not a destination. What other topics are you interested in hearing covered in this podcast? Please share your ideas in the comments section if you're watching this on YouTube. You can also go to the Facebook group Aikido the Marshall site and post a comment there. Your input and engagement helps podcasts like these stay around. Please support it by liking, subscribing, and sharing. Enjoy your training.